Thank you, choir, for that song. Uh, this time the children may head out to Children's Church as everyone else can grab a Bible and find Matthew chapter 6. I sat down and I prayed about what scripture to point our attention to on Mother's Day, and I landed in Matthew chapter 6 in the classic anti-anxiety passage of scripture. Um, So I trust this is where we belong this morning. I think it's fitting for Mother's Day because, well, for two reasons. One, motherhood is just an anxiety-ridden endeavor. Uh, Anyone who is a mom probably would agree with me. There are a lot of potential anxieties that one experiences when they mother children, parent children at all. Um, I worked with a guy a while back who uh, he told me, it was right when we had Elias, and I was working with this gentleman at that time, and he told me that when they had their son, he had a talk with his wife, and he said, if I'm going to let you stay home with our kid— and I'm going to go do all the work. I expect you to have the house cleaned up, the meals prepared, and I expect to have weekends free to do what I want because I'm working all week. I don't know how that went over in his household, but we had just had Elias, so I was seeing firsthand how much work uh, the vocation of motherhood is, especially for an infant, but it really doesn't get any easier as time goes on. So such a statement was just ridiculously foolish. And stupid, um, as all the faces on the moms I see agree with me. Um, the vocation of motherhood is a crazy amount of work, and it includes a crazy amount of stress, a crazy amount of uncertainty to protect and raise these little children up into grown ups. And even still, I, you know, I have young children, I have a five year old and a three year old. And I also uh, work in the youth ministry here at the church, so I get to see firsthand what it's like for the parents of the teenagers. And pastoring the church, I get to see what it's like for parents with grown children, and it doesn't seem to get any easier. Um, Not that it's all bad. It's great, but it's a lot of work. So here we are in this passage about anxiety. Um, I think this is fitting, too, because even if you're not a mom— I think that this passage will probably pertain to you quite a bit uh, because I know many of you struggle with anxiety. And I'll confess freely that I struggle with it um, quite a bit. So this is a good passage for all of us. So uh, we are going to read Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. And this is just a passage where Jesus is teaching about life and about anxiety and things that are true. I say often that Jesus is... So much more than just a good teacher. He's our only hope. He is our salvation. He is the Savior. And, you know, as we've been going through Romans, we've talked a lot about what he did for us on the cross, why he is our only hope, why we follow him. But he's not—he is more than just a good teacher. He is the Savior. But he is also the best teacher that ever lived. So what we're going to read today is just some of his teaching. So if you're able— If you'd please stand as an expression of honor as we read God's word from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're grateful that we have God's word to read. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. And as you're settling in, would you pray with me? Let's just ask that God would open up our minds to this passage of Scripture and um, do miraculous things in our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, first and foremost, we thank you for Jesus Christ. He is everything. He is our only hope. He is the one way, the one truth, the one life. And we cling to him. He is the reason that I can come to you in prayer on behalf of this church. He is the reason that we are a church. And I thank you for his teaching, that he sheds so much light on life and what it means to live in this world and how we can live as men and women and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and people in this world. And that he taught about practical things like anxiety. Lord, I ask that through your word, the power of your word and the truth of Jesus Christ, that you would release the people in this room who are tangled up in knots of anxieties and worries and fears, that you would release those people to live in freedom, the abundant life that you bought for them through Jesus Christ. That's my prayer, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So the way we're going to approach this, there is a lot that can be gleaned from this passage. It's a really rich passage of Scripture. If you're one who memorizes Scripture, this would be a good one. Um, The way we're going to approach it, we're going to look at the three questions that Jesus poses to help his followers think through these things, to think through their experience with stress and anxiety. Okay, so the first question, and I want you to think about it. Isn't life more than the things you're worried about? Isn't life more than the things that you're stressed about? Isn't life more bigger than the things you're anxious about? Jesus states this question in the first verse, in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Some of you may not be 
anxious about food and clothing specifically. His point isn't food and clothing. His point is your anxieties about whatever it might be. So I want to do a little exercise. Whatever is your worst anxiety right now, your worst stress right now, what is the worst case scenario that you're worried about? What is the worst possible case scenario of what will happen? And I'm not taking this lightly. I know some of you have some very serious stresses on you right now. But walk through that process. If things go as bad as they possibly could go in these areas, what's the absolute worst that will happen? Now, once you get down to that stage, if everything just goes as badly as it could possibly go, is that it for you? Is that done? Or is there more to life still, even if things go as bad as possible? Would you still be breathing? Would you still have some relationships? Would you still have some purpose? Would you still have the glorious God of the universe? Would you still have your hope in eternity? The odds are, the answer is yes to almost all those questions. I'm not trying to diminish the things that weigh on you. I'm sure many of them are very serious. I know many of them are very serious. But we tend to think that when we get anxious about things, and like I said, I get anxious about things. I get anxious every Sunday morning before I stand up here, still. So I'm not talking to you like a guru who's got this figured out. But we tend to think as we get anxious about things that we're anxious because our world is too big and there's too much going on and it's too big for us. When in reality, our anxieties are usually caused because we let our world get too small and too narrowly focused on this one thing or this one set of things. If this one thing doesn't work out, then it is all lost. And Jesus is saying, is life not bigger? It's not that your world is too big, it's that your world is too small when you get tangled up in anxiety. There's more, it's bigger. It's more out of your control than you dare to imagine. So don't get sucked into a black hole of anxiety. Yeah, a black hole, I'm not, I'm going to butcher this, I should have looked this up. But I believe, <laughs> I'm already in over my head, I believe a black hole is a star that has, the gravity has gotten so intense, somehow the mass has gotten so dense and intense that light cannot even escape. Is anybody going to just say, you're flat wrong? Okay, you guys don't know any better than I do? Okay. It's something, the gravity pulling inward into itself is so intense that light itself cannot escape. And that's why it's just a black hole. And that's what happens to us as we get wrapped up and wound around our anxieties. We become a black hole in of ourselves and we get sucked inward, inward, inward into this one thing. And Jesus says, isn't there more? Isn't life more than just this thing? Serious as it may be, think of all the rich relationships you have. Think of the God that you have. So life is more than the things that we worry about. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. Question number two, Aren't you more valuable than birds and flowers? You didn't think I was going to ask you that question today, did you? Aren't you more valuable than birds and flowers? This is what Jesus asks in, starting in verse 26. 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then down in verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Aren't you more valuable than birds and flowers? Birds don't clock in and go to work. Birds don't bring home a paycheck. Birds don't have a bank account. Birds aren't following the Dave Ramsey uh, debt-free plan. There's nothing wrong with those things, but birds don't do that stuff, and yet they eat. God feeds them. Flowers don't go to Concord Mills. Flowers don't read fashion magazines. Flowers don't fork out cash for fancy clothes, and yet they're beautiful. God clothes them. Now, the, the logic here isn't birds and flowers don't work, so neither should you. That's not what he's saying. The logic here is God is really attentive to the small and the ultimately insignificant and the momentary. He's really attentive to those details. So do you not think he is attentive to you? who are so valuable that he sent Jesus, his son, to die for you, to buy you with his own blood? I've read that when a band is going to come to perform at a new place, they'll send along, I think it's called a rider. Is that what's called, Lee? Okay, maybe I'm off again. i got to do better research. Meredith always reminds me. They send some instructions ahead of them so that they can prepare everything for the band to be able to perform and they prepare, you know, the waiting room where the band will be before their performance. And they'll put in all their instructions about lighting and sound and what they need. And buried deep within all these instructions, many of these bands will put a little random line about something insignificant like, we need a bowl of M&Ms, but only the brown ones. Bands will do this. Well, the reason they do it isn't because they're just being demanding and unreasonable. They do it because if they walk into where they're going to be waiting before they perform and they see a bowl of only brown M&Ms, they know that those people read their instructions. They know that they can rest in the fact that they have cared for the details. They didn't miss the random line about the M&Ms. See, God doesn't miss any details. God even cares for the birds and the flowers. So the logic isn't, they don't work, so you don't have to work. The logic is, God is awesome and attentive. And he doesn't miss any details. Even for the insignificant and momentary things. So how much more can we trust him for our lives, as valuable as we know we are to him? You are insanely valuable to God. I want you to think about the most valuable thing you have. What did you pay for it? What did God pay for you? He paid the dearest price you can imagine. He did the equivalent of me. My my boy Elias, for those who may not know him, was the first boy up here. He did the equivalent of me giving up my son 
for you. You're not that valuable to me. (laughs) But you are to God. See, anxiety says one of two things. It either says, God doesn't care about me. Or it says, God doesn't exist at all. Functionally, anxiety is atheism. I'm not saying this in a condemning way, by the way. That sounded harsh and condemning. I'm standing there beside you in this, but it's true. And that's what Jesus says here. He says in verse 32, uh, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. The Gentiles were the people without God. He says, you know, when you are all tangled up in anxiety, you're living like God doesn't exist. You're living like someone who doesn't have God. Why live that way? You know better. You know that you have a God that is good. He's attentive. You know that you are incredibly valuable to him. And he he wishes that we would trust him more, I think. Just as a father, uh, when I see my kids not trusting me, I wish that they would just trust me. You know, we just came back from the beach And every day before we go down, we are the most Caucasian family you can imagine. I actually wear a long sleeve shirt with a collar on it to go down to the beach. So my kids, I'm very protective of them with the sun. So we've got to put sunscreen on. You can't go to the lazy river without sunscreen on, Elias. You can't. I've got to every morning. And when I come at him with that sunscreen, you would think, that I wasn't coming to spread it on his cheeks, but I was coming to strangle him or something. He hates it. He hates it. He freaks out. And I'm just thinking, just trust me. We've done this. We've had so many experiences together where you thought it was going to be horrible, but it turns out I knew what I was doing. I've rubbed this sunscreen on your face so many times that you still, you don't trust me. You think, I don't know, you think I'm going to smear it in your eyeballs or something. He can trust me. We can trust our Father. We can trust Him. We may not understand why He's coming at us with sunscreen all over His hands. We may not understand the pain that we're going through. But He's there. He's real. He's good. We can trust Him. We're valuable to Him. Question number three. I like this one. This sounds like something my dad would ask me, which you don't know my dad. What have you ever accomplished by being anxious? What has your anxiety ever accomplished for you? This is what he says in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Has your anxiety ever did you any good? Has it ever did you any good? I've been in Midland too long. (laughs) What has your anxiety ever accomplished? And don't confuse, this can get confusing because you might be thinking, well, if I wasn't so aware of all these things, I wouldn't have known to do this or I wouldn't have remembered to do that. Don't confuse thinking with anxiety. Don't confuse planning with anxiety. Don't confuse uh, considering things with anxiety. They're not the same thing. Don't confuse pondering or meditating on something with anxiety. It's not the same thing. Don't confuse fear with anxiety. You know, fear is a healthy, natural response. You know, if all of a sudden this thing podium burst into flames, I'd be afraid of that. I'd get back and that would be good. But all these things, thinking and pondering, considering, and even fear, they lead to some sort of 
clear thinking action. Anxiety doesn't. Anxiety just paralyzes you into that black inward black hole I was talking about. So anxiety doesn't lead to any action. It, it leads further down into yourself, into the dark, away from people, away from God, eventually into depression. And it just spirals on down. Anxiety is just a terrible waste of time, a terrible waste of energy. It's a really, it's a good trick of our enemy. Because it's often born out of good things like concern about good things and good desires. We can even sometimes feel noble in our anxiety and our stress because we care that much. But it's not noble, it's a trick, it's a lie. If there's something to be done, do something. But we can't just stew in our worries and our anxieties. Jesus told us not to. It's a command. He says, don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. So he gives us these three questions to help us think about these things. I know emotional things like anxiety are hard to wrangle. They're hard to get a grasp on. But I really believe it starts in the mind, how we think. Everything Jesus has taught us here is just about how we think about the world. He's just saying, consider these things. Think through this for a minute. And you'll see that you shouldn't be anxious. And now, in conclusion here, I just want to point to the elephant in the room. The, the giant assumption that Jesus is making is that you can do something about your anxiety. He, just, he says just flat out, do not be anxious. He just assumes that we actually could obey that command. We can just not be anxious. I can't imagine telling somebody, like if I'm counseling somebody in my office over there who's struggling with really gripping anxieties, just leaning back in my chair and saying, what are you doing that for? Just don't be anxious. Just stop it. Stop it. But that's the way Jesus approaches it. So if it's true that we can actually obey this command and just not be anxious, how do we do it? Well, I think it starts with our thinking. I think we need to listen to Jesus' word and absorb them. Let it change the way our mind works. I think that alone will have a, a profound effect on our emotions. But there is something he tells us to do at the very end of all this. In verse 33, he says, All this about don't be anxious, you don't need to be anxious, you're valuable, it doesn't do you any good, Uh, life is bigger than these things. And he says, but there is something positive for you to do. Don't do all, don't be anxious, but do this. In verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all of these things you're worried about will be added to you. As he sums up this idea, he's basically saying our anxieties are a matter of priority. We're seeking something else first above the kingdom. We have bought the lie that if this thing doesn't work out, all is lost. When in reality, in the end, almost all the things that we're worried about will come to nothing and all that will remain is the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when the anxiety 
attacks, when it squeezes you, that boa constrictor feeling. You're going to want to wrestle with it. You're going to want to do battle with your anxiety. And it's not going to work. And it's going to get worse. But what Jesus says is while you're all tangled up fighting with your anxiety, he says, just look over there at the kingdom. Work toward the kingdom. There, there are people to love. There are people to forgive. There are people to serve. There is a God to worship. There is truth to ingest. You have sins to confess. There are people that need the gospel. There are uh, immature young Christians that need to be poured into. There is work to be done. Don't let Satan trip you up into making your whole life a battle against your stress. Your whole life a battle against your anxiety. It's always going to be there. You conquer one of your stressful items and two more are going to pop up. Your life isn't an epic battle against stress. It's an epic march into the kingdom. The energy we give to our anxieties is energy that is hijacked from the Great Commission. So I want to pray for us. And as I do, I want you to actually think about, well, what am I stressing about as I have, as I've gone through this? And we're just going to ask God to show us, to help to change our mindset and our feelings toward these things, and to show us how to let them down so that we can work and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Would you bow with me and pray with me in that way? Let's pray. Father, please bring to mind the, uh, the anxieties that we wrestle with, the anxieties that sap our strength and our energy and our clarity. We may not even be aware of some of the things that are wearing us out. It would help us to see these things clearly for what they are. Help us to see how much bigger life is than just these things, as important as these things may be. Help us to remember how valuable we are to you and how attentive you are to us and to trust you. Help us to remember how worthless the lie of anxiety is. And Lord, we, I think many of us in here don't even believe it's possible to obey Jesus' command here to just not be anxious, but it must be or he wouldn't have commanded it. Help us to obey this command. In these specific areas where we are stressing, help us to see how to seek the kingdom first and your righteousness first in these areas or in spite of these areas. It's different for every one of us. It's complicated. We're, we're complicated uh, people. But I know that your Holy Spirit can work this truth out in our lives in real practical ways. And I beg you for it, for my own sake, for my own family's sake, for my kids, for this church. Free us up from this so that we can be all about the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.